Welcome back, baseball fans. Episode 12 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, there's there's a lot going on in the world, in the baseball world. Uh, most of it bad, but, you know, we're here delivering quality content per usual. There's one thing in baseball that you can rest assured, and that's that at least on a weekly basis, until the season starts, that rounding through the baseball podcast, the most important journalist in the industry uh, will be there clocking in, putting in the work, even when the owners the players, the union, when they won't work, we will. Um, so just want to note that out. Max, I'll allow you to give your tiny brief update about the lockout, which I have locked out from discussing. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't want to talk about this, but just since we are a baseball podcast, we'll give some news. MLB said that if there's no deal by February 28th, which is Monday – there they will not start the season on time meaning opening day will not be as scheduled on march 31st see games will be canceled and we'll have a shortened season how shortened who knows it depends obviously on how long this lasts but we're really we're really approaching this deadline where we're going to miss baseball um they've been meeting every week every day i mean this week um little progress is being made we don't need to get into the exact details but i mean Chief James, you know, this sucks. Let's 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 just move on from the lockout. There's no way yeah. there's going to be a deal by Monday unless one side just, you know, gives up everything they want. At this point, it would take a complete punt, um, and I think the best punt that we could possibly see is that I punt Rob Manfred in his big old head. Um, he's garbage, terrible at his job. Everyone sucks. Baseball's not coming back. The good news is no need to worry about a lockout because World War III is coming. So place your bets now. Pick your sides. Uh, Russia has invaded the Ukraine. So that's, you know, there's some world news for you from the baseball guys. I'm not sure the implications on the game that that's going to bring, but certainly something to stay on the lookout for because uh, there may not be a game if there's a world war. <laughs> I guess so. So, you know, we don't need to talk anymore about the lockout. You know, there's some other news circulating around. Nothing really worth talking about. Just some rumors in the mill. I guess one thing I'll throw at you, James, to start this off. Freddie Freeman. Buster only came out on Monday saying uh, Freddie Freeman um, is maybe unlikely to re-sign with the Braves or or at least that they're not giving him quite what he wants. Um he wants a six-year deal. They're offering him five. He's also from Southern California. He's been with the Braves his whole career. It seems like he's likely going to move on. Any input on that? Like, where do you want him to go? What do you think will happen with this? Oh, so it's interesting. From what I've seen, it basically looks like it's coming down to L.A. versus New York, um, which, of course, 
it makes sense to raid the two biggest just capital blowing organizations in the sport um, if you're looking for a ridiculous deal. You know, I'm a little bit torn because while he has had some great moments and just came off an MVP uh, two years ago in a World Series last year, I'm not sure that he's a move-the-needle guy, as I would describe. I think when I talk about move-the-needle, I mean, you know, Mookie Betts came in. That team was very good, lost multiple World Series, could not win. Uh, and then they get Mookie Betts, and suddenly they win a World Series, clearly a move the needle guy um i'm not sure freddie's that guy so with the contract they're gonna have to give him and sign i'm not sure but i don't think that your team gets worse with freddie freeman at the helm or as part of it so i don't know i mean i'm kind of indifferent on it if he signs i'll be like cool we just got a pretty good player that'll surely help winning Max Muncy, I think, could be lethal at the DH position. Uh, outside of that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. No, I mean, I, I think that's Freeman. fair. He, it's, it's hard because I think the front half of the contract he signs is going to be good. It's, it's going to be a win. The back half is going to be alarming. I mean, he's going to be 38 years old if he gets to do what he wants at the end and, like, I don't see 38-year-old Freddie Freeman being worth the $30 million a year price tag. Um, so really we'll see how it unfolds. I kind of feel bad for Braves fans because he kind of strikes me as like a Rizzo with Chicago or like staple guy. Uh, so I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that, that he's like the Rizzo of Chicago. But at the same time, Rizzo also is now in New York. Um, and, and Freddie Freeman, like you said, he's like 32 or 30 or something like that. 32, and he's yeah. 32 and he's spent almost his entire career in Atlanta. I don't think he owes the city or the team anything else. Obviously delivering them alongside after World Series title, winning an MVP. It's interesting what you said about him not being a needle mover. Um may I you know I I almost disagree with you. I'm not I don't think he's on the Mookie level, Mookie Betts level of stardom. Um I think Mookie Betts, one, I guess, is just maybe has a little bit more swag, carries himself a different way. Is kind of like, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the MLB, if you will. But Freddie Freeman, I mean, he did win the MVP two years ago. He's a 300 hitter. He won the World Series. He was probably the best player on that Braves team and the best player on a Braves team that's been, you know, good for the past several years. But at this point in his career, you know, signing him to a six-year deal, he'll be 38 at the end of it. It is a little questionable. I mean, will you know, he'll probably be able to put up good numbers and really help a team win the World Series for the next three years, four years maybe. But if you're looking at six years and a 37, 38-year-old first baseman, who knows? You know, maybe he's still going to be putting up good numbers. But I think Freddie Freeman is somebody that should be sought after, um, you know, as he is. I think he can be a really good player, a great player, an MVP level player on a championship winning team as he was. We'll just have to see. Um, like you said, the Dodgers and Yankees are the names floating around there. He's from Southern California. So that's kind of where those uh, LA rumors come from. I've also heard the Blue Jays. Um, I've heard, obviously, they also they have a Vlad Jr., but move Vlad Jr. to DH or play him at DH, something like that. They could make it work. 
And then the Rangers. I've also heard the Rangers rumored. Obviously, they're big spenders getting uh, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager in the offseason. If they put Freddie Freeman in that infield, that would probably be the best infield in baseball. But we'll yeah, see. I mean, obviously no – the- yeah, no doubt. This well, obviously this was just um, it, it's almost non-news. Like Buster only basically said like he might sign elsewhere. So like obviously like no one expected him to yeah. be a lock to stay in Atlanta, especially after coming off the World Series. He's been there his whole career. You know, I I, I don't think anyone would blame him if he jumped to another team at this point. Yeah, I think you know. If Texas got him, that would be a ridiculous retool of your infield in one offseason. They would go from no all-stars in the infield to three all-stars. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think maybe as it contextualizes, because you have to remember the Dodgers get themselves uh, put in a good number of trade rumors just because they have and do spend money. Desirable destination, of course. So I've seen so much. I mean, about a – third of the MLB at one point or another was quote unquote coming to the Dodgers. So I may get a little more excited after there's some movement and uh, he comes, but I mean, I don't think you can mess up by adding Freddie Freeman to your team, but I also don't think that's good to me. I really care. This off season is really about if LA, if Kershaw stays in LA, that's really all I care about. Um, what uh, what do you think? They, what do you think happens if he goes to LA? Like you play Muncie at DH or or Muncy at second, what do you, or move Trey Turner to second? Like, what do you what do you do? Well, it's interesting. I think you. I don't know because I would re- I'd like to see Gavin Lux look uh, like a stud when he was uh, in second base, you know, but really when he's at shortstop. But I think you keep Trey Turner. You either go Gavin Lux second or that. But if Gavin Lux plays second, I say DH Muncy. That would be my preference. I think DH Muncy. And just let him absolutely hit bombs in the four hole. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be upset having Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Wilson. I mean, it's just one more name on that ridiculously studded roster. So, I mean, it would be nice for the next couple of years. Um, so, I don't know. I guess do it, Freddie. Like, balls in your court. Have fun. It's warm. Yeah. I mean,. Yeah, I guess so that I don't have anything else to say about that. I mean, it's really nothing. If he signs, he signs somewhere and then we'll talk about it then. But this is kind of just like confirming that he might sign somewhere else, like obviously. But I think the the only news of it is that he is actually using the free agency as a free agency. That's really what the news is here. It's that he's not like he's not looking for a statue in Atlanta. Right. Well, I mean, he probably he might still get one. He's been there forever. Yeah. Won I mean, them a title. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's uh, Maybe Atlanta's a little easier to come by statues. <laughs> I, I feel like you're, like, undervaluing how good he is and how good he's been for the past decade in Atlanta. You're like, well, whatever. Like, he, he doesn't. He was okay. Now he can go somewhere else. Doesn't want the statue. Like, I feel like he's had a statue-worthy career in Atlanta. Being there for a decade, winning a World Series, an MVP, all-star every year, basically. I think my problem is that Freddie Freeman may be a one-of-a-kind, if you think of everything in a graph of 
skill to absolutely zero marketability, zero personality. So I think that's what's hard. It's like, yeah, he's a good baseball player, but like, I don't, like Tatis could bet 95.095 and it would still be electric for baseball because he's just electricity. The dude pisses electric. Uh, Freddie Freeman is like one of the more boring dudes ever. The, honestly, the best Freddie Freeman story is when Anthony Rizzo was yelling at him, Frederick. So like, <laughs> if your best moment is someone else using your government name fully, like that's you're down bad. Um, or when so Rizzo know, struck I mean, him I, out. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like, yeah, she's got a weird one-two Rizzo connection. So maybe he went <laughs> to the Yankees and uh, I guess learn how to play second. I don't know. Uh, no, I mean Freddie Freeman's great, but like he's just not. He's zero person. Of course, I don't expect anything else. Freddie Freeman is basically my father in terms of like, yeah, he's just a random dude. Like, he's just hanging out, and he happens to be a very good baseball player by trade. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He's not like the flashy Tatis or Soto or Mookie Betts or even Bellinger. Like, he's not one of these flashy modern-day players, but he still puts up numbers. I think we've dwelled on Freeman enough. Um, That's all the current news. Thanks for listening. Um, Chief, what, what what else do we want to talk about? You, we, we were, you know, we were going back and forth uh, prior to this um, past couple of days, trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about because we've done enough of this lockout talk about these numbers in the lockout, blah 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 blah. Um, so we're just here. We're just going to talk about baseball. Talk about some things we like about baseball. Um, James, I got a question for you. If you if your yes. team was in Game Seven of the World Series, so say 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 the Dodgers are in the World Series against the Astros, like in twenty seventeen, um, would you rather them win Game Seven Seven with a Kershaw, you know, two hit shutout, or would you rather be like this back and forth crazy game with a belly bomb in the bottom of the ninth to win it off, like like nine to eight? I feel like that's. That's hard. Now, I will say the L.A. did have a crazy game with Houston like that, and it was maybe one of the oh, most yeah. fun baseball games to ever watch. Um, I think in that one, the bias is hard just because it's Kershaw, and like Kershaw's legacy is basically what gives me joy and happiness. So I think in that regard, him getting like the final punch out to end it and just pit those cheaters in their own trash can and drag the trash can out of the stadium – would be an incredible moment. I mean, I think it's hard. I would almost repose your question. Although belly walk offs and belly bomb just ninth inning shots. I mean, they're something. They're nice. I think if you're looking at the moment, to me, I think like the most juice you can ever get would be like bases loaded, bottom of nine, you're away. And I, I think there's nothing cleaner than, like, when the pressure is fully to the max, bases loaded, three. Like, I mean, this is what I want. I want a one-run game, bases loaded. Uh, you got three balls, you know, full count. Give me, give me the exact story, but I want to be the mound. I want to be on the pitching side of it and just get that massive punch out. I don't think there's anything as savage as just punching out of a jam. Um, so, you know, that's probably where I'd lean. But it's hard. I mean, uh a walk-off home homer in Game 7. I don't know if there's ever been a Game 7 walk-off homer. There's hardly Not been a game any seven. walk-off homers. There, yeah, there's so been walk-off home runs to win the World Series, but um, 
not uh, like game sevens. But I think it's an interesting question, like, um, or leads to an interesting question, um, which is like, just well, one thing I love about baseball so much, and I think this is what differentiates it from a lot of different sports, is that in these moments where it's like bases loaded, even in it's like bases loaded, fourth inning, full count, two outs, it's like that next pitch, so many things can happen. Like so many game changing things can happen on just that one pitch. Like it's a ball. Okay, now one run comes in, bases are still loaded, and the next guy comes up. He hits a bomb, grand slam, you put up four runs. How about just an out, and then you're out of the inning? And so, like, watching games, rooting for your team, especially when um, when, you're, when your team's out in the field and its bases loaded two out, like, it's the most nerve-wracking thing because every pitch is just, like, so many games on the – both extremes or, or so many things on both extremes can happen. A grand slam, uh, a double play. If there's Basis only one out triple. Yeah. Just like Chris Taylor back in, um, when the Cardinals played the Dodgers. So like sometime during the regular season, I remember he hit a basis clearing triple and it was a nightmare. But, but I think well, that's like one Chris thing Taylor about baseball. Is the the best. Yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good example of a game to bring up the the wild card game because dude like I remember at one point in that game I think it was the second or third inning the Cardinals got out of a jam with a double play to keep I think at that point we were still winning one zero it was before Justin Turner's solo shot but uh, God that was insane I mean. Even all that, like that moment in itself, Chris Taylor just going, all right, game's done. Like, I want to go shower. It was nice. Like, see you guys later. Wave to the arch for me. Uh, that was awesome. Um, now, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, but I think that's also what makes it hard for, like, baseball casuals or for baseball really to be a casual sport because, like, it's understanding all of the outcomes and all of, like, like I have a ton of fun of just, like, for me, the game with inside the game. So, like, what pitch do I think is coming here? Like, I love trying to guess, like, okay, like, this has to be a slider outside. And just being abysmally wrong sometimes, sometimes nailing it. But I think if you're not playing that game within or, like, what could happen or, like, and you don't feel the pressure of it, then baseball is very boring. To me, it's not boring at all because every single pitch, I'm like, oh, my God, everything that could happen. I mean, at any given time, you are one swing away, one leaked ball away from a score change. That's awesome. You know, it's like basketball. Like you're hardly ever getting a defensive rebound and throwing it the length of the court for a bucket. But like in baseball, literally there's no clock. Like you have to throw 27 outs. Yeah. And I, like you're, like you said, like it's 27 outs. It's not like, um, it's not like it's a 12 minute quarter or 15 minute quarter or anything. Like there's no time. It's a matter of the players doing what they need to do to get to the end of the game with more runs than the other team, which I like a lot. But I think some people might think, and it's a common misconception about baseball that like the games are super long. They are long, but the average football game is longer. You know, so then what are you comparing it to? Basketball? Well, basketball games are just short in general. Soccer games are timed. The clock doesn't stop. It's only an hour and a half. But I think a lot of people have problems with baseball just because um, the just because there's not a lot of 
to if a naive opinion would be there's not a lot of action, you know. There's a lot of dead time between each pitch. But like you said, that's it's there's a game inside the game. You you need to understand who's at the play, what pitch has been thrown before, what he's swinging at. And I think uh, that holistically, and I don't even know what we're talking about at this point, but holistically, um, the, all that in combination with the fact that the game just goes on and on and on, it, it, it's something that what makes baseball great. I feel like that doesn't even really make sense what I just said, but I, I don't know. Like it's hard to describe. Up, it's, I think it's just that the pressure in baseball mounts to be more than any other sport because I mean, right. you can have an entire – you can get through 26 outs, do the whole thing, and it all comes down to one ball. And it's like if you even throw this baseball a quarter inch, miss your target by a quarter inch, it could be the difference between the final out and a trophy going to Atlanta or the base, like the ball absolutely getting crushed and Houston winning again. I mean, it, and that's what's great. It's like that's why I love those. That's why I love the punch out so much because – when you start to get as a fan all those negative feelings of like, oh, they're going to do it, always running up balls, they're going to walk in the run, we're in a jam, and you start to feel all those negative pressures, especially as a pitcher, but even as a fan, then when you st- when you turn that corner, you're like, no, we're out of it. Like, trust our guys, they're savages. Um, I mean, it's a great moment. That's why I think I love just the juice of that. I mean, of course, when you get the bases loaded and you're like, this could be a grand slam, and then it is. That's also, like, awesome. I don't know anyone who, like, hates Grand Slams. That means you hate fun. Actually, um, the Padres coach, um, he hates uh, he hates Grand Slams. He hates fun. Um, Fernando Tatis got punished for hitting a Grand Slam. And, like, a joke, they marched him out in front of the media to apologize because he hit a Grand Slam, which is objectively what he gets paid to do. Um, that's another thing. I hope in this lockout, I wish we could add a term in the CBA – that's like any of these old baseball fans are like no bat flips, no home runs if the other team's up by more than two. Like anyone that's anti-fun, just get out. Like you're done. Sport's not for you. Tatis is it's like, like um, you want to hit a grand slam? Go. It's like when uh, – who is that? The guy who like basically quit halfway through the season, like Marcotta or – I forget. He was on the White Sox, and Tony La Russa got mad at yeah. him for uh, – Mercedes, right? Mercedes, Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a he is a weird story. He was like he's like old, but he came in as rookie. This was like his rookie year, I think, and he was like in his thirties, and uh, he was absolutely slugging like unreal numbers. But then he just like quit halfway through the season. But anyway, on the White Sox, as you know, Tony Larusa, the manager, and he's there uh, at the end of the game. They have a like an infielder pitching because the game is so out of hand and they toss him a freebie and they're up by 10 runs or something and he just nukes it into the the stands he hit that ball 500 feet he blew it up and tony larus is all mad because it's like you know not the way you play the game when you're up you just you know basically kill the game like let it end but I'm, I'm of the opinion, like, you're stepping in the batter's box. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Your goal is to hit the ball. I don't think he did anything wrong. I, I think people, old heads, need to chill on that fact. There's just, you're literally, your job is to hit the baseball. Like, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, imagine if he didn't hit that home run and was one home run shy of a half a million dollar bonus. No one's, is, is, I don't even know who that game was against Texas, maybe. 
I mean, whoever – are they going to pay him back that money? No. Who cares? It's baseball. Get your 27 outs, and it's that simple. I mean, I'm all about – and I just hate the old guy opinion. Like, I'm all about bat flips too, but in the same regard, I'm like, if you want to do the crazy Trevor Bauer and, and sheath your, your sword and do all of that, you know, it, feel free. Like, let's celebrate. Let's get crazy. If you hit a baseball 480 feet – in the major leagues, yeah, I would do a bat flip forty-five feet in the air as well. Like, who wanna yeah, like, have fun, make baseball? Bat fun. flips are bat flips are hype if they're done in the right spot. Like, you can't just do a bat flip anytime. But like Jose Bautista's back in the day when he nuked one in Toronto, that was a classic. Um, I would say, but I don't think classic bat flip. Oh, ever. for sure, for sure. I mean, that's that's a top it. baseball moment ever. Hundred percent. What are that some of your top baseball moments? What's that? Oh, I mean, that's back when the Rangers used to play in the playoffs. In the <laughs> right. Playoffs. That was um, when the car. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Cardinals played them in the World Series in 2011, and uh, and they were in the playoffs. I think they they lost to the Giants in 2010 in the World Series. I think that was Josh Hamilton's MVP year. He's been in the news recently, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, but speaking of uh, Bautista's bat flip, give me some of your best baseball moments of all time. I'll go with one that I was in person at just because it's a sick baseball moment and kind of a dope flex. But I was in Cleveland. I was uh, at Progressive Field when the Cubs ended the 108-year streak, and that was just a mental thing for baseball and I was luckily surrounded by Cubs fans and they were all crying and all over themselves and uh so that was just that was I mean for baseball I think with a streak that ridiculous and it's not like there are small market teams Chicago Cubs the fact that for a hundred years they couldn't figure out how to pit something together um also what a game that was yeah that was an incredible I will also go down and I will take to my grave the fact that the uh Indians now the Guardians would have won that World Series, if not for that terribly timed rain delay, um, <laughs> yeah, of just ridiculousness. But I mean, there was uh, Raji Davis nailed that uh, type the tying run in the eighth. I mean, that, that's that one of the a, best hits ever. Was, I uh, on record, I called that. I turned to my dad at the game and was like, "He's doing it," and then he did. And I mean, I didn't get anything. I was a Dodgers fan, so I didn't really care what happened. But it was uh, it's pretty sick. I mean. I think it's hard because majority of my favorite baseball moments are like obviously biased. Um, number one has to be the second that Julio Urias just uh, got the job done and finally delivered the the final strikeout I've been waiting for. Um, I mean that was top tier. Uh, there's all kinds you can go to. I mean I I looked at Kershaw's no hitter. I mean that was a sick moment. Overall for baseball though. I mean, I'll give the the Braves just not letting the Astros win again in itself as its own like great moment uh, because that would have been terrible for the sport. Um, I mean, you think of I think of different moments and it's hard to even just like zone in on like one because there's so many throughout all the time. I mean, you look at the summer of Sosa McGuire, which saved the sport. Like that's obviously just. As a like time period, right. critical. Um, I, yeah, go, I, mean, I don't know. What's your moment? What are you thinking? 
I mean, I, I have like one moment that obviously stands out. I think the um the Rajay Davis one is up there. I mean, that is that was just I hated the fact that the Cubs won that World Series, obviously. But one, because, you know, now I live in Cleveland and I've I've been an Indians fan. But two, I'm a diehard Cardinal fan and I hated seeing the Cubs win. But that was that was amazing. I mean, the call on that and it's like Rajay Davis, like that is so good. Um, but I mean, obviously, my number one, a game that I was at, the 2011 World Series, Game Six, David Freeze triple, then David Freeze home run, same game, then Cardinals win in Game Seven. I also think back to one we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, Big Poppy's homer against the Tigers, bases loaded, two outs. That that one is like just like. You get chills watching that video. Just the atmosphere is insane. Um, um, I, I like um, Mad Bums when Madison Bumgarner came into that game against, I think it was the when they were in the World Series against the Royals. He came in as a closer late in the game, in the series clinching game and, and shut it down. Um, Bautista's bat flip is obviously a classic. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I've seen. Like, I like, I don't, you know, obviously there were ones throughout history, but specific moments that I loved watching in person. I like that. Not in person, but on TV. Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, 500th home run on Father's Day uh, with his dad there. That's that's an all-time one. Um, I'll say recently, like, it's not even an all-time one, but I was just at the game and loved it. It was Votto's 300th home run because Joey Votto mm-hmm. is just such a classic dude. Um, I mean, there's, you know, any Jeter jump throw in the rare case that he did make a defensive play. Uh, and it was he took what should have been a routine play and made it a ridiculous circus throw. Those were fun to watch. Um, yeah, Jeter also had that great play, the um, like the relay coming in from right field. He's all the way running over from short and picks it up near home plate and, f- you know, flips it over to the catcher and they get the out. That's a great Jeter moment. Um, There's you know, also the Jeter, how he playing. ended his career. I mean, look at his last – literally, Derek Jeter yeah. ended his career walking it off for the Yanks and the Bronx. I mean, I, I've i got to believe that game was rigged or scripted or somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's as storybook as it comes. Uh, I've actually looked at that play a lot, and I, every time I see it, I always think that I think they're playing the Orioles, and I always think that when they do the relay to try to tag the runner out at home, because there's a runner on second, and Jeter hits the single, and he comes around to score. Like, there's no way they're actually trying to like tag this dude out. Like, they're gonna lose the game anyway. I just like, how could you let? You got to give Jeter the moment. You know, it's his last game. You're a bottom feeder in baseball. There's no way the catcher is like, I'm going to give it everything I got to get this guy out at home. Well, yeah, because you win to do what? They've already had locked up the number one draft pick. I mean, <laughs> there's no consequence there. So it's like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the catcher was like, give me a fastball straight down the pipe. Like, let's go home. Like, You'll, I mean, a Yankee Stadium obviously erupted. It was an incredible moment. Um, I, think, I mean, there's been all kinds of – that's why I love baseball. I mean, the moment you get the juice, um, it's all there. Um, I think it's the pressure you get, you know, World Series when you're down to it, that last pitch. You know, I think luckily we both now can appreciate when your team is up 
and you're in the bottom of the ninth and you're literally two strikes like you were on that last pitch, it's a ridiculous just high but adrenaline and you're like, oh, do not screw this up somehow, just get it done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all kinds of moments to point out and hopefully many, many more to be made uh, with some of these young cats in the league. Uh, what can be said? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously perfect games are insane. Um, we haven't seen one in a little bit. I think it was maybe 2014 was, was last one. the last one? He, I, I don't know if he was last one. That's the moment I was going to bring up specifically is King Felix's uh, perfect game in – Seattle that that's that's just awesome his like his reaction after doing it like spinning around and pointing to the sky that that is so sick I mean I even this year I would say this one I'd probably go to Giolito losing the perfect game on just a backdoor slider but then still coming through with the no hitter right after that was pretty sick um yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the Braves had Braves were due. So as a whole, that was probably nice for the city of, of Atlanta. Um, although it's still crazy to me that they won that, that somehow Robert Acuna gets hurt. Robert, Ronald Acuna, Jesus. Ronald <laughs> Acuna gets hurt, and uh, they got better and won a World Series with arguably one of the best players in baseball sitting on their bench in sweatpants. It's crazy. Yeah, it's easy to forget about him. Like, like just because there was so much hype around this Braves team and then winning the World Series that, you know, you know when a team's in the World Series and all the news is about them, you get, you know, you learn a lot about the team. Um, they're just always on the news. That you forget that, you know, one of the top, top young players in all of baseball isn't even playing. You, like, forget that he's even on the roster. If he- if he somehow went to the Dodgers, now I'd lose my mind. No offense, Freddie, but uh, I'll trade half the lineup for I'll trade everyone not named Mookie Betts for him. Would you have to Seriously. say you uh, start, bench, cut, Acuna, Tatis, Soto? What would you do? Oh, that's a good one. Start, bench, cut. I'm starting Juan Soto. I'm doing it. I think Juan Soto is – oh, my God, that's still – when you're between Tatis and uh, Acuna for who who's sitting your bench. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with gonna, you on starting Soto. I'm with you on starting Soto. I think Soto. you have to. Juan Soto may be the best, best hitter in the MLB. Like straight up right now, I think he actually is the best just at the plate guy in baseball. I think behind that – Oh, man, that's hard. I think you have to bench Acuna because I couldn't decide, but when Acuna was benched for the Braves, they won a World Series. So hopefully that's good mojo. That's, that's fair. I mean, I would I would bench Tatis and cut Acuna. I, I just don't think you can have a team without uh, – or have, you know, have Tatis as an option and not take him in, in some capacity. Yeah, he's electric. I can't wait. I mean, I will say it's nice as a Dodgers fan just to see him play because he's one of those players that's, like, so good. that it's like, yes, you're tearing my team apart, but I'm glad I get to see you play 30 games a year. What are you, um like, what are, are, what are you most excited for about this new season? Like, what, any big opening day plans? Like, what, what do you want to do um, for the season? What are you excited about? 
Well, I think I definitely want to get out to L.A. for a series. Um, I think opening day, I don't know, maybe we'll do a – we've discussed maybe taking rounding third on the road and recording opening day from some opening day around the United States. Um, we'll see what's going on. But that would be maybe opening day at Great American Ballpark could be fun because um, that's just such a classic opening day park. Progressive sale. First game – Dude, I'm I'm trying to go to the first game as in the in the Guardians uh, history. You got to be at the first uh, first game of a the inaugural game of the Guardians. That's that's kind of a historic moment. What do you think is a worse name, Washington Commanders or Cleveland Guardians? Uh, I I think the Commanders is a worse name. I I mean, it, maybe it makes more sense, you know, in terms of Commanders' relevance to the city of DC. But I don't know. I, maybe I'm around it all the time because I live in Cleveland. But the Cleveland Guardians, I don't know. It's it's grown on me a little bit. I was at the last game of, as the Indians, so I want to be at the first game as the Guardians. Kind of encapsulate the uh, the transition, the whole experience. I mean, I think it's a ridiculous circumstance because if you flip the Commanders and the Guardians, the Washington Guardians and Cleveland Commanders. They both names get better if you change the two words <laughs> names in pro sports, in my opinion, which That's I think funny. is ridiculous. You, re- you remove the context of why they have those names, and they somehow work better. Um, I mean, that's that's what I've got. That's what yeah. I've got I think there. we should. Uh, I think we should take, like you said, rounding third on the road, get to uh, Progressive Field or Great American Ballpark, wherever, for uh, opening day. Give some live coverage from the scene. Maybe interview some fans in the in the vicinity. Well, let us know uh, if that's something you want to see or hear uh, is rounded third on the road because we will make it happen. Uh, I think we're both so stoked for baseball to be back that I don't even care if it's a team that I care at all about just to be at a MLB game. Live and in the flesh with beers and Cracker Jack and the peanuts rolling. I mean, come on. There's no, that's another thing. I don't think there's a better live sporting event than baseball because you're just hanging out. Normally there's good weather, pound a couple beers. It's a great environment. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, we, you know, t- tweet at us. I, you know, unfortunately, James, we left that little note at the end of our last episode to tweet at us. Uh, was tweeted us a gif of your favorite pitcher batting. I don't think we got any, unfortunately. Uh, so you don't have to pay anybody out of your own wallet. But, you know, maybe we can keep the offer standing. If you uh, go ahead, tweet at us. We haven't gotten too many tweets, but we're active on there. You know, we're, we're interacting with other creators and uh, other um, just analysts in the field. We hope to... Um, catch you guys on twitter i mean this is a different type of episode for us you know usually we you know do a lot of preparation research specific topics but it is just so dry right now in the baseball world obviously with the lockout it's pretty much impossible for news to exist and you know there have been some other like legal stories and depressing stuff that we don't want to talk about that so we just kind of went off the cuff here talk about whatever we're already at the 40 minute mark um, you know, we don't want to make this too long. James, I mean, is there anywhere else you want to go or, or should we just go ahead and wrap this up? You know, I think I like where we're at. Uh, I would like some input from the listeners on, on what you like. If you like the more off the cuff, 
which is probably going to be more similar to what it's like when we're actually covering baseball uh, during the season. But, you know, just let us let us know uh, what you liked, if you like this style or not, um, and give us suggestions on where to go on the road for opening day. And next week should be pretty big. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the lockout, but the deadline imposed by the MLB will pass. So maybe we'll get it out of an episode earlier than next Friday. You know, as soon as the lockouts are resolved, we're hopping on and putting out an emergency episode for our fans. So maybe we'll hear from you. Hopefully you'll hear from us in less than seven days. But if not, you know, maybe we'll cover some lockout news and what to expect moving forward. But thank you guys for listening. Episode 12. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up. You know. We're looking to have, looking to grow a community. Chief James, it was it was good. Talk to you again. Let's soon. just let's keep trucking. Thanks for listening, fellas.